Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com. St. Louis, Missouri, it's Keys to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to the ABC television series Lost, hosted from a musician's perspective by keyboardists Matt Murdick and Leslie Samazaro-Santi. And now, here's Matt and Leslie. And welcome back to Keys to Lost, a weekly podcast dedicated to the ABC television series Lost. This week we are doing part two of our review of Jack Shepard's character. And let's get back into the character analysis of Jack Shepard. Just like, yeah, we're going to be all right. I still got it under control. Just <laughs> totally, totally not true, I'm you not. know. <laughs> um, but uh, he's got to fix it, you know. He's got to fix it. So that's all I have for season two. So why don't we go ahead and get into listener feedback for a minute? Feedback. Okay, and listener feedback. We have a couple of emails uh, from folks this week. Uh, one is from Rachel, and her subject is Great Podcast. Uh, I'm going to skip over some of the accolades here, and I'm going to get to the gist of it. Uh, my absolute favorite part is the Giacchino moment. Uh, that's what makes you unique. The only part I loved about piano lessons I was forced to take as a child was music theory, and your analysis of lost music takes me back to that. Makes me wish I'd paid more attention and stuck with the music. Keep up the great work. Whatever will we do when the show is over? <laughs> what will you do when the show is over, Leslie? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm just still getting excited about the show starting again. <laughs> Not there yet. Trying to, Trying to be in the now. Yeah, great. Thank you very much, Rachel, for the email. We appreciate that very much. Is it Rachel or Raquel? I think Rachel. Okay. Thank you very much, Rachel, for the email. We appreciate it very much. We also got an email from Sergeant Drano, who I've seen him comment at uh, Donald is Lost website, and he sent in uh, emails to Donald as well. So thank you very much for your messages here, uh, Sergeant Drano. We uh, actually, we Sergeant Drano and I are talking about possibly doing part of a, a a thing for when we do the lock episode. He's put together a great collection uh, in this forum of all of the things that that are in locks, like case and on his person, all of his all, all of his right. gear from yeah. season one. And so uh, I'm hoping to schedule an interview with him actually, and we'll have that in our podcast when we do it about lock. Yay. Um, so, uh, Sergeant Drano says, was listening to your rewatch podcast on walkabout where you two wondered what the machine was Locke turned on next to his bed. Someone on our forum identified this way back when the device next to Locke is a TENS transcutaneous electro nerve stimulator unit, which stimulates the muscles and nerves in paraplegics. Someone actually tracked down which company makes that unit. 
Unfortunately, this person did not identify what company that was. So far, I have not been able to figure that out. Hmm, that's interesting. And he also says in a second email, just finishing up your walkabout rewatch and had another thought. I'd like to take issue with you a little bit regarding your interpretation of the duality of Locke with the two themes being who he wants to be and who he is. I would argue that the hunter nature of Locke and the miracle tragic nature of Locke are both things that he is. He isn't just a wannabe hunter. He's demonstrated that he possesses the knowledge and skills to be a hunter and be very effective at it. Of course, Locke also wants miracles, and one might even argue that he wants the tragedy too. As Locke said, I need that pain to get where I am now. Thus, I would argue that these two themes of Locke are more like the different aspects of his personality, of his fate and destiny, and neither is any less real a part of John Locke. We have multiple aspects to our personalities. In a way, we are like different people, depending on the role we are playing and the situation we are in. Locke is a hunter, and he is also a character whose life is equally marked by amazing events and terrible tragedy. The two themes are used to underline those moments for us. That's a very good point, Sergeant Drano, and I appreciate you saying that. And I would agree with you that as far as G. Kino, when he was composing these themes, probably felt that way. But I am looking at things through season five eyes, and as a person who believes that Locke has been under the influence of either Jacob or Mr. X at any given time since his encounter with the smoke monster, that all of these great feats of hunting and everything that we've seen him do on the island is not, in fact, him. It's an influence from Jacob. It's him actually doing the events, but it's not due to his ability to do them. It's not his defining character. What his defining character is the person who wants to be that person. And so he's getting he's getting the influence from the island to be able to do that, to do what he wants. But it is not actually his own process that's causing that. And that's why I, I believe that that's why I, I maintain the words that it is who he wants to be. As we saw in Cabin Fever, when the teacher tells him, you want or, you know, he says, I like boxing and sports and football and the teacher tells him, well, I know you don't want to be the guy that's with the beakers and, and, and the little science set, but that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Locke's life has been nothing but a constant denial to me of who he is. And the island has allowed him to, to kind of live out that denial in a way. But it's still it, – I won't say that he doesn't have the knowledge. I totally agree with you there because knowledge can be gained from reading books. But you, there's no way you can tell me that John Locke, no matter how many books he read, would be able to know that a moth was about to come out of that cocoon when he relates that story to Charlie. That has nothing to do with who John Locke is. That has to do with who is influencing John Locke at the time. And that's what I believe about that. Um, but I do, I do agree with you totally that they do, that those themes do emphasize the events in his life and, and maybe not so much his personality. Uh, and, um, and I, I, I totally respect your opinion. I just have to disagree because of what I feel that the influence of the illness from the smoke monster is. 
I would have to agree with Matt on that too. And um, Sergeant Drina, you should know that when we first started podcasting, I wasn't fully on board with that theory. Even I was kind of, uh, kind of in the wings of it and thinking, well, maybe, but you know, Locke is, you know, he's got so much knowledge and wisdom in him. And, and I loved seeing him in that light. But after even the, the number of, of rewatches and, and, um, and uh, further research and, and, and conversations we've had about it, I, I do have to agree with Matt. So, you know, um, I don't know, you, you might want to check out so some what some of what um, some other people are saying about that, too. I'm sure you're out there hearing it already. But um, there's a lot of support for just those things that there's no way Locke could have known. And, 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 and as you go through and do the rewatches, which I'm still in the middle of doing myself at this point, um, I continue to find support for that theory that that some things are just you know, they, they just seem too incredible for, for him to, to know. Um, so, um, there are plenty of, of your points that I, that I totally agree with though, as well. You know, I, I love seeing Locke being able to live out, you know, part of what he's always wanted to be that, that is very exciting. And, and, um, and seeing Locke as a, as a wise character is something I always want more of, you know, I love his conversations with different people about, you know, the things that he knows about him. The one Matt mentioned about the, the moth is a good example as well. So, um, but thanks for your letter. That was, that was great. And we really look forward to doing an interview with you soon. I hope that comes through and yeah, works out. And, you know, I, I went and looked through that whole forum and that is just an amazing piece of work. And, uh, when we do the lock episode, I will be sure to, to state the URL. I don't have it in front of me right now. Uh, but it's, 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 it's on a, uh, a lost TV forum, I believe. Or something mm-hmm. like that, and it's just an amazing read. And he's got pictures of everything, and then pictures of the actual product too. You know, oh, that is so cool. Pictures and, and explaining why he might have chosen this particular knife, and and what what its good uses are, and and why so some things work and some things don't work so well. And it's an amazing it's an amazing piece of work. So thank you very much, Sergeant Drano, for sharing your email with us and for sharing me. Uh, privately that link to your forum so that I could read it because that was very educational for me. Thanks a lot. Very interesting email. And we still have more sections of Stephanie Mack's first email to read from. Ah. So you want to rattle off some of those questions? Sure. Okay. So these are questions from Stephanie Mack. Um, These are questions that she's confident will not get answered. (laughs) (laughs) One, Libby's backstory. Uh, Did she have a Widmore connection? Was she a mole? Why did she give Desmond her boat? Why was she in Santa Rosa? Why didn't she want Hurley to know why he recognized her? Did she really like him or was Hurley an assignment? Who was Libby's late husband, David? Those are all great questions. I mean, just to put them as one question is is almost to, to not do all those individual questions justice. No, I, I know. And and the thing is, is even if we did get another snippet of Libby's backstory, would we get that much? Um, I, I don't know. And God, I, it'd be I, so great if we did, though. Yeah. It'd be so awesome. I mean, there could be a whole episode about Libby's background if she, you know, I mean, she's, her history stretches back so far with her connection with Hurley and everything. Yeah. No, and, her, and her connection with Desmond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, but we'll go ahead and move on. So um, there are quite a few questions here. Uh, What are the whispers? Of course. Number three, um, what is going on with all the opposing dreams, visions, apparitions? I guess the ones everyone's having on the island. Mm -hmm. Um, Who is causing which ones and how? 
uh, Taller Ghost Walt, Claire, uh, Don't You Dare Bring Him Back, etc. <coughs> Why did Ghost Walt appear soaking wet? Well, I think I think Walt appeared soaking wet because he was um, the last time we saw him, he was in the ocean. Um, he was being taken by the the people who took him from the raft, right? I mean, in my mind, it's an indication that something else has gone on there that we're unaware of. Like when I when I saw it the first time, oh. I remember thinking that maybe Walt drowned, you know, and 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 oh. this is his ghost, or you know, he's soaking wet. It made it a lot scarier, you know, because all of a sudden it's like, did Walt drown? Is he? What happened to him in the ocean? He's all wet, you know. Oh. So I was thinking maybe it was an indication of something that we hadn't seen, as opposed to you know reaffirming things we already knew. Wow, I hadn't even ever given any thought to that. That's I just assumed that it was. I, I don't know what I assumed. That's that's a great thought. Okay, uh, now I got. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get back to you that on that one next okay, week. Okay, okay. Um, let's keep moving on. Um, number four, uh, Stephanie Mack writes, "What was the vaccine for? Why the quarantine sign?" Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we have some information about that. Well, though. we don't have any definitive information, only theoretical information. Yeah. Um, the vaccine, we think, is is for, well, I think is for resistance to exposure to the illness from the monster mm-hmm. um, and, and the quarantine sign as well. Mm-hmm. But something else we might consider is now, you know, it, since after season five, if there was a possibility that the reset worked, then could it be possible that the quarantine is to keep people from getting radiation sickness from the bomb going off? Is or is there some kind of anti-radiation drug that's being given to them? Perhaps. I, I I would tend to think that the the quarantine part doesn't make much sense from the sickness based on. I mean, it could be everyone could be misinformed, you know, including Rousseau, that it's actually contagious because we've seen now five seasons of potentially Locke having the sickness, but potentially no one else around him getting it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could find out in season six that somebody else is sick, but I, I think that's unlikely. Yeah. The only thing that I say, the reason why I say that the quarantine might have something to do with the illness is because the quarantine is placed on the insides of the doors facing out. Right. You're not supposed to leave. And it's not because you might catch the disease airborne. It's because the smoke monster might give you the disease. Right. And where is, this, and where is the smoke monster? It means it's stay inside, there. not don't come in. It means stay inside. Don't, 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 you're not allowed to leave right. your area. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's just my thought on that. Um, okay. Uh, number five. Um, why go to the trouble of giving Charlotte this backstory of cultural anthropologist with a side interest in archaeology if they never even got her close to the hieroglyphics or anything of ancient structure on the island? That's yeah. a pretty good question. That is a good question. I, I think it unfortunately just has to do with actor contracts and that kind of thing. But Yeah. Um, then again, you never know. Uh, number six, why do most of the others seem content to live primitively instead of taking advantage of the modern DI structures? Mm. I, I guess they like living like savages. <laughs> <laughs> okay, during the time flashes, why did Sawyer's nose bleed before Juliet's if she had been living there for over three years? Did Sawyer spend time on the island as a child? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so either. Um in fact, I thought that Juliet's nose did bleed first. Am I mistaken in that? I thought Juliet's nose also bled first because I remember Sawyer saying to her, you know, like touching her nose and, you know, and then she in turn later saying the same yeah. to him. 
Yeah. I don't know. So we might want to check the facts on that one. Um, number eight, who was Locke's true father? Grandma Locke claimed that Emily's boyfriend was twice her age. Anthony Cooper would be too young for that description. Emily did tell Locke he was immaculately conceived. You know, I've always had questions surrounding that as well. I, I didn't think the time exactly lined up. I wasn't quite sure that guy was, you know, his father, who his father was. Yeah, there, 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 there's there's some questions about Anthony Cooper. I think that it's just a, a thing that the actor just doesn't look as old as he's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the fact that Emily is... I, I, how old was Emily when she, she was would, in school still, she right? She was in school, so 15, 16, something like that, which yeah. would put him at 32, and that's in 1956. So then you add 50 years to that, and he would be, be 82. He would be 80 in 2004 when Sawyer killed him. He did not look he 80. He did not look 80. He does not look 80. You're right. So that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, okay, uh, does the Shepherd family have a reason for so many of them being destined to be on the island? Christian, Jack, Claire, Aaron. That's a good question. Yeah, you know, and uh, is it all part of that whole interconnect thing? Is it just a Jacob interconnect thing? It's, mm -hmm. those, those are good questions. Number 10, why did Rousseau's team come to the island? Who sent them? A deleted script line from Solitary had her telling Saeed that they came to study the uh, no, they came to the island to study time. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I've read that reference as well, and they threw it out, I think, because uh, they didn't want ABC to cancel them for being too genre. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I thought they explained that. They just heard the transmission and decided to 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 find out where it was coming from. Did she they? Even, I didn't she even says that, that in, in, in Solitary, I believe. Oh, she does? Yeah. Or no, it's in numbers. Oh, it's okay. in numbers okay. with with Hurley, I think is when it is. Okay. She says that. Um, let's see, number eleven. What is the connection between the shared bloodline of the founder of the D. I. Alvar Hanso? Wait, do I know what that is, Matt? What is that? Uh, the founder of the Dharma Initiative, Alvar oh, okay. Hanso. Okay. And the captain of the Black Rock Magnus Hanso. Was Alvar obsessed with finding the island that his ancestor disappeared on? How would he know that? Ah, yeah. That's, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not so sure know. that we won't get an answer to some of the Hanzo connection. Mm -hmm. um, if not in the actual show, they're doing that Mysteries of the Universe Dharma Initiative thing on, on ABC once oh, a yeah. month. They're doing those little mini segments. Mm -hmm. we, might see some, we might get a, an answer or a connection out of that somehow. Because they've already made, a, I think, a reference to Hanzo in one of those episodes already. So Very cool. Um, just a few more here. Um, number 12, did Hurley read the numbers on the outgoing message that was heard by Russo's team, Lenny and Sam Toomey? Um, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people think that that's Hurley's voice uh, when um, that's on the transmission uh, of the numbers that that Rousseau heard, because when um, in Namaste, when Frank's plane is is landing and they end up in 2007. Mm -hmm. Well, first they're in 1977 when the flash occurs, because that's how Jack and Kate and them get back, which uh -huh. means that they have to travel forward through time to get to 2007 while they're approaching the island. And so when he hears the numbers, he thinks he's hearing. And everybody thinks that that's Hurley's voice on that transmission that they hear when they're in the cockpit as they're 
getting to the island. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't. I I can't even verify that that's actually uh, Jorge Garcia's voice. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. It, it's a good question. It's mm-hmm. definitely a good question, but I think it won't probably it probably won't be answered. Yeah. Well, and that's what this is a list of un- questions that she believes will not be answered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, and there's just a few more. Um, why did some losties flash back in time and some landed on Hydra Island? This is a good question. Yeah, we discussed this actually on Alex's and, and Anna's. Actually, it was on the Jacob Cabin's hiatus cast. Sorry. But with Alex and, and Anna. And Anna had a great uh, theory about that. And that mm-hmm. was about connection still to the real world. For instance, Jack was leaving everything behind. He knew he was coming to the island to stay. He Ben had told him, pack up your bags, you're going. Um, and, you know, plan like you're never coming back. And he had agreed to do that. Mm-hmm. Kate had left, um, had left Aaron behind, knowing that her only reason would be to reunite Claire with Aaron would be her reason for coming back. So she had kind of left everything behind. Um, Saeed had nothing to live for. He didn't really want to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. Hurley uh, was going back because of what Jacob had told him, evidently, you know, about going back and Ben telling him that he, if he went back that everything, he wouldn't have to lie anymore. So he was essentially deciding to leave everything behind. Mm-hmm. Sun, however, never really left her connection with Ji Young. She was going to get Jin. She had a plan to yeah. come back. Yeah, she didn't take the baby with her. She right. left the baby behind too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if, if that's that's the difference. So that was a great mm-hmm. thought by Anna. I yeah. Guess, yeah, very nice thought. Yeah. Um, okay, what else do we have here? Um, why on earth would Claire and Son abandon their babies? <laughs> well, we don't know why Claire has abandoned her baby. We don't know what's what, what happened to Claire. Um, and son, I think like we just mentioned is not, doesn't have the intention of abandoning her baby. She has the intention of bringing Jin back to her baby, I think. Right. Um, number 15, why did Pierre Chang use all the aliases when the only people who were to see the films were on the island DI members? What was he trying to protect? Why were all the removed DI kids given new identities and erased their on-island time? Danielle, Charlotte, Miles, etc. Yeah, good question. Good question. That's a great question. Um, and that's all we have um, from Stephanie Max. Stephanie, thanks. Those are really great questions. I'm glad you're writing them down and, um, and sending them to us. And if you would like to send us uh, an email or comment on our blog, as BuzzMeg did, telling us uh, that we should do character bio episodes. Uh, that was the original inspiration for it. And then thank you very much, BuzzMeg, for also calling in to our listener hotline at 314-754-9662. You can uh, also send us an email, if you wish, just with your thoughts about any of our future characters. We're going to be reviewing Kate. We're going to be reviewing Locke, probably Saeed. We're not sure who. Or if you want to suggest a character to us, should we do Desmond or not? Should we do uh, Penny or not? Should we, you know, whoever you think we should do next, feel free to, to make your opinion uh, known to us. And we will continue to review some of these characters as we go on through this long, long, long hiatus um, together. <laughs> and speaking of long, 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 let's get back into our season by season analysis of Jack.
season by season character highlights. All right, and we're back into our season highlights section, and we're reviewing Jack, of course. Let's take a look at what happens to Jack in Season 3. He's captured by the others. He meets Juliet, attempts to escape, finds out that he's being held in an aquarium facility underwater. He also finds out that the others have a file on his life. That's from A Tale of Two Cities. He actually learns Ben Linus's real name. Uh, and the Red Sox have won the World Series uh, and is offered a trip home if he cooperates with the others in the Glass Ballerina. He's asked to operate on a woman suffering from a gunshot wound, Colleen, during a trip to the medical facility. He knows the x-rays of a spinal tumor, and that's in Every Man for Himself. Um, Jack bluffs Ben into admitting Ben has a tumor, uh, Juliet shows Jack a videotape asking Jack to kill Ben during a surgery of Ben. Jack gets a message through the intercom, which leads him to the surveillance room where he witnesses Sawyer and Kate sleeping together. And then Jack agrees to do the surgery. Um, but then during the surgery, he cuts Ben's kidney sack and threatens to let Ben die unless Kate and Sawyer are released. Um, then though Kate is reluctant, he orders her to leave and that's in the cost of living. And I do. So that was the cage episodes, the six. Um, then we had a hiatus and when we came back, Jack, uh, he let Ben live after Juliet pleaded with him, uh, and promised to help Sawyer and Kate escape. And then he's taken to the cages where Sawyer and Kate are kept or were kept. Uh, and he encounters some of the 815 survivors from the tail section. He sees Cindy and the kids. Uh, he finds out that Juliet's being held uh, and is going to be put on trial uh, for killing Danny in order to help Kate escape. Um, he threatens that he won't treat Ben's infection of his wounds unless Ben uh, intervenes on Juliet's behalf in her trial. And then he returns to the main island with the others uh, to their barracks from Hydra Island. And that's in Not in Portland and Stranger in a Strange Land. Jack is surprised when Kate and Saeed show up at the barracks to rescue him. Um, he asks Ben not to harm them. And he and Juliet are planning to leave for, for the submarine, which will take them home when Locke blows the sub up. That's man from Tallahassee. Um, then Jack, Kate, Saeed, and Juliet leave for the beach from the barracks upon Jack's insistence that Juliet is allowed to come along because she was left behind too. That's in the uh, episode Left Behind. Um, Jack tells the beach crew that Juliet is under his protections, but later finds out that Juliet has been reluctantly working undercover for Ben the two begin to form a plan about what to do next, and that's from one of us and a Missing Pieces vignette, Operation Sleeper. Then Jack learns from Kate that the beach people don't trust him enough to uh, let him know about Naomi and the satellite phone. Um, but he doesn't let Juliet reveal their secret to her, and later that evening he starts to explain themselves to the rest of the beach crew. Um, that's the brig and man behind the curtain. 
And then Jack reveals uh, that he and Rousseau and Juliet have been planning to get dynamite from the Black Rock to blow up the tents that will be attacked by the others, uh, according to Ben's plan that he made with Juliet. He allows Charlie to be the one to disable the looking glass station while he leads everyone else to the radio tower. He encounters Ben, uh, who threatens to kill the gentleman who had stayed behind to help with the blowing up of the tents, uh, and beats Ben up pretty good uh, when it appears that Jen, Saeed, and Bernard have in fact been killed. He leads the Losties to the radio tower, and then he has to face down Locke after the transmission from the radio tower is turned off. He makes the call to Naomi's freighter offshore, and those events are in Greatest Hits and Through the Looking Glass. So, even though Jack's vulnerabilities are becoming more defined and more refined in Season 3, this is also uh, Jack at his strongest as a leader. Um, he's he's basically become Moses. He's, he, he's, he is, you know, unlike the title Exodus before, this one truly is an exodus. The whole camp leaves and heads for the radio tower, uh, and he leads them. He leads them there. He's he's seems very sure of himself, and despite his reactionary nature, um, it's kind of the thinking Jack, the the plan conceived with Juliet and Rousseau, that that kind of elevates him to that status uh, of being the the ultimate leader for a, for a moment, you know. And he's he's at the high point of his loop. I believe at that point, and and uh, we'll start to see the downturn in season four, and and uh, throughout what were the to become the flashbacks um, from various from season four, and I think that Jack is. Well, and I'll talk more about this in the theory section, but I I think Jack's loop is really tied into being a leader or not. Um, especially the way we've seen his whole leadership arc play, a reluctant person, person that didn't want to be a leader, even further back, a person who t was told he couldn't be a leader, uh, and then becoming the leader, and then ultimately falling off that to the point later on where nobody even wants to talk to him, as he says at the end of season four in the flash forwards uh, when he's talking to Ben. Uh, and then... We'll see in season five that he's getting pulled back towards that leadership role at the end of season five, where he, he takes the bomb and, and despite what everybody else says, he's going to do it. Um, some other things uh, that happen in season three, uh, that Jack tells Kate uh, that he loves her in Through the Looking Glass when, uh, you know, that that was big. And, and he asked about or he was he said it because he was explaining to her why Sawyer didn't want her to go back with him you know uh, and it was for the same reason that that Sawyer loves her but he he wanted to make a point to let her know that he loved her you know um, and I thought that was pretty cool uh, then Jack's bond with Juliet became very strong uh, throughout this season and even into the next season. But to me, their bond was much more one of philosophy, and that was uh, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And since Juliet uh, obviously became seemed to be an enemy of Ben's, um, therefore, and Ben was obviously an enemy of Jack's, at least in Jack's mind, um, that, you know, therefore he, he 
him and Juliet became uh, bonded together, not necessarily out of out of out of a, a true friendship, but more so out of a, a, a bond of need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me in this season, Jack was, you know, I, I think he does end on a high point. And I think you're right. If if he was coming close to completing his loop, you know, his major loop of, of you know, whether he can be a good leader and, and lead well or not, you know, he was, he, he definitely brought the rescue party to, you know, the people on some level, you know, he got a group of people off the island. I should say that might be better put, better, better mm-hmm. stated. Um, but before that, I mean, this, this was not one of my favorite seasons of, of Lost to begin with. So I should state that up front, but it's so dark in the beginning they're all like being kept in cages and it's just, it's really a hard, hard season. Um, it's all about these, you know, I mean, it's just clearly about these strategies and these mind games that these people are playing against each other and you don't know who's on whose side and Juliet can't be trusted, but you know, she really is being honest with Jack and then Jack doesn't believe her and turns her in and then he feels bad about it. And then she's a friend of his because she's an enemy of Ben's, you know, it's just, there's so much strategy going on here. And the truth is that when it comes to leading a group of people against any kind of serious opposition there there does have to be some of that strategizing that goes on and 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 in that way i think jack really does pull through in this season he does become more of the thinker than he's been before so he's presented the island is presenting him an opportunity to to become that that thinker uh, more of that thinker anyway um in 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 becoming the leader that's that's bringing rescue to the people of the island who he's trying to rescue there's a lot of strategy that's being played here and i don't know if it's just me or not this 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 part was not as exciting i realize it's a high point for jack you know and that's really what we're doing here is talking about jack so i'll try to keep it going that direction but you know Jack's behavior where he just doesn't tell everybody what's going on and he's there with juliet and you know i mean his people need some communication from him. And in that way, I don't think he, I, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't like the way that was, that was done. You know, it reminds me of someone else that was in office at that time and it, and it didn't turn out well. <laughs> um, not to make it a political, dis- political discussion, but, um, so, you know, I don't know. I just, I was really unnerved by he and Juliet, the way they just weren't talking to everyone when they got back. I just thought that was like, that's so lame and annoying. Um, but again, Jack's in this season. Jack's finding out a lot about what it means to develop as a leader, what it means to be a thinker, what it means to have some strategy, and to do more than just you know be good with the people on your own side, but to to be working the angles from the inside more. So um, Jack's highlights um, or events highlighting Jack's actions in season four um, begin with. Um, Jack, looking for an injured Naomi, um, discovers uh, that Kate took the satellite phone, and um, this is the beginning of their 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 plan to escape um, the island. Meeting everyone at the cockpit, Jack again encounters Locke and attacks him, pointing a gun and pulling the trigger, but the gun doesn't fire. Jack watches as some people decide to go with Locke back to the others' barracks. Um, for fear of uh, Charlie's warning about the freighter people. Um, they're worried it might be true. Jack meets Daniel Faraday after he, that is Daniel, parachutes in from a distressed helicopter in the beginning of the end. Next, uh, Jack and Kate meet Miles and Frank. 
Juliet and Saeed come to their rescue after Miles holds them at gunpoint. Frank discovers that Juliet is not one of the Losties, but Jack intervenes to keep her safe. And this is in Confirmed Dead. Jack sends Kate and Saeed to the barracks to try uh, to free Charlotte and is visibly hurt when she doesn't return in The Economist. Um, Jack tries to contact the freighter next with a satellite phone, then asks Charlotte to try to use an emergency line. When she finally gets in touch with Regina, she is informed that the helicopter hasn't yet arrived in Eggtown. Jack encounters Harper in the jungle while going with Juliet to the Tempest to stop Daniel and Charlotte from releasing gas on the island. Jack finds Kate knocked out by Daniel and Charlotte. Jack kisses Juliet and the other woman. Next, Jack starts to show signs of an appendicitis in the shape of things to come. Juliet then removes Jack's appendix and relates to Kate that Jack loves her, knowing Jack is awake during that time in Something Nice Back Home. Jack decides to follow the GPS signal afterwards of a helicopter um, after the satellite phone is dropped at the beach and the helicopter flies over despite Juliet's objections in Cabin Fever. Uh, then Jack and Kate find the helicopter and Sawyer. Jack decides to go help Hugo at the Orchid, and Sawyer follows him. At the Orchid, Jack encounters Locke, and they discuss the island. Uh, Jack then takes Hugo back to the helicopter, where he, Saeed, Sawyer, Kate, and Hugo fly off the island to the freighter. Jack watches as Kate is told something by Sawyer before he kisses her and jumps off the helicopter, which is leaking fuel. Um, it's discovered that the freighter is about to blow up, and Jack, Kate, Desmond's son, Aaron, Hugo, and Saeed manage to take back off in the helicopter. As they head back to the island, it disappears, and the helicopter crashes into the ocean. They manage to deploy and get to a life raft from the helicopter and are rescued by Penny Widmore, where Jack decides that in order to protect all of those left behind on the island, they must lie about their time there in There's No Place Like Home, parts one, two, and three. So it's a pretty uh, eventful season, Matt. Yeah. These these fatal flaws of Jack, uh, which, like you said earlier, have seemingly served him well sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of like the reactionary nature and all of that. Uh, they really start to turn on him in this episode and we're, we're past the high point of his leadership role in the loop and he's going, he didn't, he maybe he didn't quite complete the loop the way it was supposed to be or maybe we're seeing the other side of the Mobius strip loop starting to be played and he's on his way back down so he can cycle back up and make it right this time around. Um, but he's starting to fall off of, off of that leadership role, at least to my eyes, uh, at, at least in terms of feeling strong as a leader. And uh, it starts right with beginning of the end when he actually pulls that trigger. Locke looks up at him and says, you aren't going to shoot me any more than I was going to shoot you. And and boom, you know, he, he pulls the trigger. And, of course, nothing happens because Locke says it wasn't loaded. You know, Locke was merely using it as a bluff to try and get Jack to stop. That's why he threw the knife at Naomi instead of just shooting her. Mm-hmm. And uh, because Naomi needed to die in Locke's mind, but he was just trying to bluff Jack out of making that call. And But nonetheless, if that gun had been loaded, Locke would be dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, of course, is something that couldn't possibly uh, have uh, happened Especially uh, the email we got 
was it a week ago, a couple weeks ago, about the person saying, well, if they were always supposed to be in 1977, then none of them could have died before the events that would make them go back to 77. Right. You know, um, and that at least, I guess, included Locke's interaction with some of the freighter people during the, the, the past times as well. So Locke wouldn't have been allowed to die either. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know exactly to what extent you want to look at that. But I personally, I couldn't believe that he actually pulled that, di- that trigger. I mean, here you have a doctor. Uh, and it's very interesting in, in season one, uh, he said of Sawyer to Kate, uh, I want to kill him. And that's when, when Kate asked why. Or he said that he wouldn't, and and Kate asked why he, why he wouldn't. He said, "We're not savages, not yet." And now he seems to have crossed that line into becoming one of the Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's become exactly what what Sawyer is has predicted. In in a way, his reactionary nature is getting people killed, uh, and this is the start of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his reactionary nature is is what ends up killing a lot of people on on in in the long run. Uh, and, uh, you know, they are about to be rescued as far as I know, um, to that point, but he, he's just, he's just not in a think it's, it's a very non-thinking moment. It's very reactionary. And I think that this, along with Hugo's relation, uh, about Charlie saying that the boat wasn't what they thought it was. Uh, I think that this event with Locke is what scared many of, of the Losties to going and following Locke back to the barracks, which ended up getting all of them killed, um, you know, or at least a good majority of them. That when Kimi's men came in and practically blew up the, the whole old Dharma facility that the others were living in. Um, so in a way, Jack's responsible for that, too. And I think that this is, again, some more guilt that's carrying, going to carry through him once they get off the island that it causes him to, to, to start with all the substance abuse and, and that kind of thing. Uh, it, 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 the need to escape becomes uh, an addiction somewhere at some point in there. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's this other point, and, and that is, uh, and we've only really seen this otherwise with Ben, because the island is a very healing place. It evidently has cured Rose's cancer. It gave Locke the ability to walk again, perhaps. Maybe, Maybe. it was something else. <laughs> but uh, regardless of that, Jack ends up with appendicitis. How does that happen unless the island either doesn't want him to leave or doesn't need him anymore? Yeah. And uh, that that that's a huge telling point uh, in terms of Jack's character, that either there's something extremely more important that he must do or that he is pointless now. Mm-hmm. You know, and... I think that this season five ending season five moment is the definitive point of that. You know, I, I think that it, he was meant to stay behind so that he would have ended up in 77 too, had he been behind with the Losties when the Island moved the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so it's kind of a course correction either way. It's a course correction either way. He ends up coming back to the Island and, and, and because he was supposed to be there because whatever happened, happened when they come back on the plane, him and Kate and them are, are zapped 
back mm-hmm. to back to the time. There's some pretty interesting theories out there as to why Sun didn't go back. Um, oh yeah, we've talked about some of yeah, this too. But uh, regardless of that, sorry, I didn't mean to get off on a subject. But I, I just think that the whole thing about appendicitis tells us that there was clearly a higher purpose going on here because that's not typically something that happens on the island. The appendicitis. The appendicitis. Yeah, we haven't seen anyone else have an appendicitis. We haven't seen anyone have an appendicitis. We haven't had seen anyone have anything except have their wounds heal faster. Besides yeah. Jack, except for Ben, who had a tumor. Uh-huh. And who the island was pretty much done with at that point. Or so we think. Perhaps. <laughs> Conceivably. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, these are these are all really good points. Um. I couldn't believe either when Jack pulled the trigger. In this season, I was just falling over, you know, and and thinking about it now um, and, you know, what it tells us about Jack as a character is, you know, a a couple of things that you mentioned and also brings up a couple of questions. You know, I think um, regarding his ability to be a leader um, and to be a good leader um, in turn, you know, the question has to be asked about what he is willing to do to achieve his goal as a leader. You know, and his goal at that point is to rescue everyone, you know, yeah. which is a goal. That's always his goal, you know, is to save everyone. So he's trying to save everyone. And even if it means killing someone else who gets in the way, he's going to do it at this point, you know. Yeah. And and that's when he's crossed over that line. I think you're exactly right when you put it that way. He's crossed a line. Um, and, um, you know, these are... I imagine things that a leader goes through, you know, um, he's, he, he's got a lot of heart. I mean, that's clear. I mean, he's, he's not a, he's not a particularly selfish leader. He really is considering everyone else most all of the time. But at this point, you know, something has shifted. And, you know, I think that we see Jack at odds with the intent of the island, if I can say that, um, you know, the island, you know, based on what we know now, you know, he did want, he did end up needing to go back in his own words, even he, you know, when at the end of season five, he's, he's doing something that's never felt more right to him in his whole life. He, he knows exactly what to do. So he, in that way, we can say is going against the will of the island. And once you're, I don't know, once you're walking against the wind, you gotta, you gotta push really hard to keep going. And, and I think that's what he's running into at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, his stubborn nature as, as someone described him in three words at the beginning, I think is clear here also. Yeah. And with that, let's take another break and let's discuss some theories. Theories. And in our theories section, we have a couple of issues to discuss about Jack, I suppose. Uh, Leslie, do you have any thoughts about Jack before we get going here? Well, um, I think I'm going to let you take it first and then kind of add some commentary as we go along based on what you wrote. I, I talked a little bit about some of the theories I had as we went along, so I think they'll come out as we start talking. Great. All right. So, as you know, here at Keys to Lost, we're, we're way into loops with characters, with uh, uh, with the island, with the, with the story of Jacob and, and, and Mr. X. And as... as we continue to look at, at these 
characters, I, I think we're, we're going to find personal loops uh, within each character and maybe more than one uh, in some respects. And, and that is, you know, it's always been kind of a, a, a known notion that the island gives us a chance to redeem ourselves, uh, at least in terms of, of the way that the others look at it and the way that Locke seemingly looks at it. And uh, that depends, I guess, on what influence is acting on Locke at the time. But uh, it's going to be kind of fun for me to theorize about what exactly those loops are and what they entail for our characters as we go through these, as we go through these character bios. And what is Jack's loop? To me, uh, Jack's loop cycles him through the leadership role. Uh, when he's coming to the island, he's very reluctant to lead. And by the time he gets to the Looking Glass uh, episode where he's leading them to the radio tower, that's when he's at his strongest as a leader. Uh, and it's not shortly, it's, or it's very shortly after that, that he starts to fall down that slippery slope. And that's when he pulls the trigger uh, with Locke. Uh, and then we cycle through this whole situation of when they're off-island, which is based on a lie and and the pressures of, of, of being away and then the return of Locke and the mention of his father and uh, that basically propels him to need to get back to the island. And it's when Jack returns to the island that he starts to slowly climb back up that loop towards the leadership role again. He's given a chance to to correct some of the mistakes he's made as a leader before just in terms of, of, of taking things uh, from a different approach as he leads. Uh, I'm going to focus now on the upside of that loop. If you look at it from uh, a season, just at season five, when he arrives back on the island in Namaste, Lafleur and Namaste, Sawyer basically tells him that being a reactionary leader is a mistake, that he needs to be a thinking leader. And that Sawyer will be happy to take that over because that's what Sawyer does. And obviously Jack is a reactor. And Jack, again, is at that pit of he doesn't really want to be the leader. He seems so relieved that Sawyer is saying, you just go on home and then I'll take care of this. And Jack's kind of like, yeah, OK. <laughs> you yeah, know? Why don't I do and, that? <laughs> and, and so he's at the bottom of that loop again. And, and, and but as we go along. In, throughout the rest of that season, like in Whatever Happened, Happened, uh, and uh, Dead is Dead, uh, we see him applying the thinking logic to some situations that he's thrown in, say, with like Roger, with, with Ben's dad. Well, I think that Kate had something to do with, with Ben's disappearance because, you know, and, and he basically asks Jack if he knows Kate. And Jack says, yeah, I do. And believe me, she wouldn't do anything to 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 hurt your boy you know and he 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 learns from the whole experience you know um he he thinks his way through it and he reassures roger he says i think you've just had a lot of beers and and it's causing some crazy thoughts to go through your head and you need to go home and clear your head and you know let me take care of business you know in terms of your 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 janitorial work and you know, he really thinks it through. And then he goes and he tells Sawyer and Juliet, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a totally different thing than Jack reacting and acting out on his own as he would have 
in in uh, prior seasons. It's also clear that Jack has a faith in the island when he returns this time that he didn't have before. Uh, prior to the whole thing about uh, Kate and Roger, when Kate comes to him and Juliet comes to him and they say Ben needs surgery and he refuses, um, he basically says, what if the island doesn't want me to do anything? What if the island, you know, he uses in so many words, he says, what if I'm not supposed to do that? You know, we should just let the island take care of things. Mm-hmm. And that's a very unjack like thing. It's a total it's a total lock side of things. And I, I really believe kind of in a way that the upswing of, of the loop didn't just happen in Namaste, but just a few hours before when he was on that airplane and he read Locke's note. I totally agree. And it, and it says, I wish you had believed me or believed in me, I think is what it says. And that's at the point where they suddenly, then the turbulence starts to happen and, and they flash back to 1977. You know, it's like that initial leap of faith gets them to the island. And um, it's very interesting that that, that that is what cycles it through. And it's really the sense of Jack becoming more balanced. And up to this point in, in the incident where he's now still doing something kind of against everybody's wishes, but making a point to try and plead his case rather than not, Mm -hmm. not just, um, not just doing it. You know, he could have easily, he told Saeed, you know, if you don't want to come with me, I understand, but I would like for you to be there if you want, uh, when they went into the tunnels to get the bomb. And of course, Saeed then ended up helping him get, get the smaller part of the bomb that they needed out. And then when he's arguing with Sawyer, even even fighting with Sawyer, rather than just beating him down, which he had a chance to do, and, and leaving it at that, instead he stops and he tries to explain. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I think those are huge moments of, of Jack erasing the mistakes of his first loop around the leadership role. And, and now he's culminated to a point where this makes the reset work. It's because it is the right thing to do and because he's leading in, he's leading them to the right end mm-hmm. rather, and, and for the right reasons rather than, than um, out of a reactionary state. This is, you know, just throwing, throwing a bomb down a well, a nuclear bomb down a well where there's electromagnetivity and, and nothing except a man's book that says such and such might happen if you do this you know um it is reckless in a way but it's also a leap of faith and i think that's what makes this loop uh complete or go to the proper side of the mobius strip this time around yeah um I uh, agree with you that uh, that this is this is the this is the leader side of Jack that is finally putting it all together. That is that is understanding that it takes someone who's not reactionary, but someone who's willing to act, someone who's a listener and a planner, but who's who will still you know 
act and take action, which, you know, has never been his problem. So he always has that part figured out. Um, and then also the person who's willing to allow the causality of his surroundings and his environment to intercede into the situation and change things where they naturally occur. You know, that's not something the old Jack would have ever been looking out for. You know, once a decision is made, he's going to try to carry it out to the end. You know, in these situations, he allows, you know, he allows the island to play its role. He's willing to play his own role, but not to overextend himself. He's more of a listener. Um, in this way, and, and, and in the way he, you know, tells, that's a perfect example when he tells Saeed, you know, you can come with me if you want to. You know, he gives him the choice. These are more Jacob-oriented kind of actions, you know. And so we're seeing a really positive outcome from them, I think, finally, when he is leading by allowing people to have choices and by allowing the situations that are going on to have their own choices as well, kind of. Um, um, and um, I would also add that um, this more... You know, maybe I can use the word enlightened. Um, and that's not to say that I, that I think Jack as a character is enlightened, but as a leader, he is becoming more enlightened in that when he, you know, uh, uh, when he's reading this letter from Locke on the plane, or that Locke wrote on the plane that says, I wish you would have believed me. Uh, I wish you would have believed in me. Um, you know, the old Jack would have taken that on as guilt and started acting, you know, out of, you know, this reactionary sense of guilt that he hadn't listened to John and the, perhaps John's death was his fault even in some in some way. Um, but instead, you don't see any guilt come from this decision. You don't see him running out and reacting and trying to fix everything because he feels bad about something. You see him sitting there saying, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do the surgery. Right. I'm not supposed to save him, you know, and again, this is another moment where Jack is realizing he can't save everyone, you yeah. know, and he's been functioning under that misperception since the beginning. So, you know, all these things are being removed from him. He's dropping all these things that he doesn't need and he's slowly picking up on the reality of the situation that he's actually in. It doesn't have to do with the past. It doesn't have to do with guilt. It doesn't have to do with his father. It doesn't have to do with, you know, um, trying to go against fate or destiny. It doesn't have to do with impressing Kate. You know, none of these things are present anymore. Um, and, you know, we're, and again, where I think we, from that, we see some very different um, outcomes from Jack's leadership roles based on those changes. You know, it's a real positive upswing. Mm -hmm. And with that, why don't we go ahead and get back into our last section of season highlights. Season by season character highlights. So in our next set of season highlights, uh, we're looking at after our losties have become the Oceanic Six and have returned to wherever their lives are prior to the island. Uh, Jack and the other Oceanic Six, can, they uh, concoct a lie uh, to s protect the people that they've left behind and they relay it to the press. Uh, that's in The Lie and also There Is No Place Like Home from Season 4. Um, Jack holds a memorial service for his father and learns of his relation to Claire and Aaron, 
That's in There's No Place Like Home, Part 1. Jack visits Hugo at Santa Rosa, accepts Hugo's apology for following Locke, but argues with Hugo about going back. And that's at the beginning of the end. Uh, Jack testifies at Kate's trial, lying about the Oceanic Six story on the stand, uh, Kate's actions on the stand, and his love for Kate on the stand. Uh, when the trial is over, he asks Kate to meet him for coffee, and she says not until he wants to come around Aaron. That's in Eggtown. Uh, Jack and Kate reunite, and Jack starts to be a father figure to Aaron. Um, he visits Hugo, who says that he sees dead people, and Charlie says that Jack is not supposed to raise Aaron. Um, he proposes to Kate. Uh, he encounters Christian late one night in his office, and immediately after that asks a fellow physician to prescribe him Cronazepan. Um, a night of booze and pills uh, occurs where he asks Kate, where he accuses Kate of doing something for Sawyer and calls Kate out on the fact that Aaron isn't even uh, related to her. Uh, it ends up breaking up their engagement. That's something nice back home. Um, Jack is visited by Locke and infuriated when Locke mentions uh, Christian. Locke tells Jack that he must return to the island or everyone else will die. And that's in the life and death of Jeremy Bentham. Jack's abuse sends him spiraling down a uh, kind of a dark path as he begins taking flights to Australia, hoping the plane will crash on the island. Um, that's from Through the Looking Glass and Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham. Jack learns of Locke's death, visits the funeral home, calls Kate, and meets with her, uh, saying they have to go back to the island. Kate dismisses him. He returns to the funeral home where Ben finds him and tells him that all of the Oceanic Six must return to the island. They take Locke's body from the funeral home, and that's from Through the Looking Glass, No Place Like Home Part 2, and Because You Left. Then uh, Jack kind of starts to clean his act up, and he works with Ben to try and get the others to come back. When they discover Hugo is at large, Ben goes to Hugo's house while Jack meets with Hugo's father, who has a drugged Saeed. Jack takes Saeed to St. Sebastian and revives him, uh, and that's in Because You Left and The Lie. After Saeed is attacked in the hospital while Jack is being reprimanded for working while on suspension, they discover Kate's address in the attacker's pocket, and Jack seeks Kate out. Kate discloses that someone uh, knows that Aaron is not her son. Uh, they follow the lawyer who has been harassing Kate to Carol Littleton, Claire's mother. Um, Jack goes in and tries to plead on Kate's behalf, but discovers that Carol knows nothing about Aaron, and he quickly leaves. He convinces Kate to come with him to Slip 23 at the Long Beach Marina, uh, where they're all meeting, and Jack observes as Saeed and Kate show up to discover Ben is heading the operation. Uh, from this, an argument ensues, and then Sun shows up and points a gun at Ben. Uh, Kate, uh, with Aaron and Saeed, leave, but Ben manages to convince Son that Jen is still alive, and so Ben, Son, and Jack leave together. Jack apologizes to Son for almost causing Jen's death, and uh, arriving at the lamp post, which is a new Dharma station, 
They meet up with Desmond, who is looking for Eloise Hawking, Faraday's mother. This is all in The Little Prince and This Place is Death. Uh, then in 316, Jack learns about the lamppost and its purpose. Uh, he learns that Locke is a proxy for his father to be on the plane. He receives a suicide note from Locke via Eloise and learns what flight the Losties need to take in order to return to the island. The next day he gets shoes from his grandfather that were actually his father's to complete the proxy. And he comes home to find Kate there and they spend the night together. The next day he gets Locke's body, putting those shoes on Locke, and goes to the airport. Ben, Jack, Kate, Saeed, Hugo, Son, all aboard the plane. Some of the explanations as to why are currently unknown, but in flight, Jack talks to the pilot, who happens to turn out to be Frank Lapidus. And then somewhere between L.A. and Guam, turbulence and a flash of light occurs, transporting Jack, Kate, Saeed, and Hugo back to the island and back in time to 1977. Your thoughts, Leslie? Well, um, first of all... Um it seemed to me when Jack was proposing to Kate, it was just like he and Sarah all over again. You know, Jack wanting to save the day, to save Kate, be a father to Aaron. Um, but but really, I think this is re- this is a reaction to the feeling that he has inside that um, that something's just not right. And um, you know, this is the period of time where he's going down a pretty dark, uh, dark and slippery slope, and. Um, He's starting to, you know, drink more and, and, um, you know, this, this is the reaction to, to, to him feeling that things are not right. Um, I think when their arrival home began with a lie, you knew Jack wasn't going to be able to handle it. You know, he's, he's not, you know, for all his, his ability at, you know, as a leader, being able to keep quiet from time to time about certain things, I think lying is a completely different matter for Jack. So, um, that was kind of foreshadowing that, that it wasn't really going to, to work out with him being back home and, and just going back to normal. However, um, you know, once he decides to return to the island and has a plan for doing so, we see a new Jack beginning to emerge, you know, by saying we have to go back um, to Kate and the others. He this is where he's beginning to admit that destiny um, exists and that it has some some play in their lives and that they are supposed to return, um, which is a really difficult thing for Jack, I think. Um, But uh, regardless, it's still less painful for him, I think, than to continue to lead his life post-island back home. Um, it's just not where he's supposed to be, and, and he has that feeling. And I'm I'm sure he's, you know, at some point, the fact that, you know, Locke had told him all of this beforehand and he had pulled a trigger on him, even though he didn't kill him at that point, is coming back to him, you know. And a Jack that's drinking and on pills is probably the same Jack that we would see accepting more guilt into his life. So, um um, you know, he's also living at home with the fact that he wasn't able to save everyone. Um, at, that's that's got to be at least in part driving him to the drinking and the pills. But he's finding that he he's having to acknowledge the fact that he was wrong about leaving. And, um, you know, in that way, everything that he did to, to, to make that happen and all the people that got hurt in the playing out of that plan, I think, are starting to, to guilt him. And, and, and all of these issues are coming up. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. This, this whole off-island is is the 
downward spiral of uh, of Jack in terms of his his loop in the in the uh, in the leadership role. Uh, interesting to know that the idea to lie about the island wasn't Jack's idea. It was Locke who said, "If you're going to leave, you're going to have to lie." Oh, that's right. I hadn't remembered that. And. It makes you wonder if that wasn't part of the island's plan, too. Uh, if Jack was going to leave, there's got to be a way to get him back, and this might be one of those things to get him back. Um, the fact that he, he obviously doesn't deal well with the, with the lying. He, he even says so much, of course, the first time we ever saw a flash forward you know, when he says, I'm sick of lying, you know, and we're all wondering, what is he t- sick of lying about? And mm-hmm. we find out <laughs> that it's about all of this. Um, and, uh, clearly it has, uh, affected him, you know, and when he finally starts to become a believer, he does become a believer, I think, towards the end of this setup, uh, and he does have to go through a very rough patch of, of things to, to get there. It's, it's definitely a trial of fire, uh, for him and, and, and self-pity and, and, a feeling that that he's failed everything, you know. Even those simple messages from from Hugo and the fact that he sees his father again, you know, those kinds of of things I think trigger him even more downward. But he has to get down to that bottom point to where there's nowhere else to look but up and to believe in something different in order to be able to to even hear Ben's words. He's trying it on his own, and that's not working. He's taking flights, and that's not working and everything. And so when he finally accepts Ben's help, that's when the spiral maybe starts to at least run along the bottom. And then by the time he gets to where he's on the plane and reads Locke's note, he's ready to believe and start the upward, upward spiral to becoming hopefully a better leader this time. I'm wondering if... The true motivation to return to the island, just because of the way he reacted to Locke uh, visiting him and saying, your father says hello, wasn't more about trying to reconnect with his father on some level. Because we've seen him carry that guilt far beyond getting the the Sawyer call, mm-hmm. you know, more or less. What I call the Sawyer call, which means that he relates a story about Christian wanting to call Jack, but never doing so. Um, he continued to carry that guilt on, and you you explained why. And I'm just wondering if that doesn't create a motivation for him to want to return to the island immediately after he starts talking to Locke, because Ben tells Locke in Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham that the very next day, Jack starts booking, or has been booking flights to to Sydney, you know, mm-hmm. and so he's obviously trying to get back to the island somehow, and he says so much so to Kate as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's one of those things where I'm just wondering if it has more to do with, and maybe it's for the wrong reason, but it has more to do with his need to confront his guilt about his father than anything else. 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I hadn't really thought too much about that um, because I guess because the the actions that we see Jack taking in season five don't seem so. You know, usually when he's driven in that kind of way, he's doing strange things and he's being real reactionary. But we haven't, we don't see him acting a lot like that in season five. Um, however, I mean, he could still clearly, he could still really be there for those same reasons because, you know, he's he's a more evolved person now and he may not need to act like that even though his motivations are to reconnect with his father. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of his uh, taking the flights on his own. Oh, um, okay, okay. You know, uh, just hoping that the plane will crash, you know, simply for the fact that he needs to be be with his father. And it's kind of in the fact that uh, Ben, for one thing, doing something good in his life cleans Jack up in a way, you know, uh-huh. uh, helps him detox and or at least uh, takes the pills away from him, flushes them down the toilet. Uh-huh. Um, that helps Jack see the need to return in the proper light, as well as just for his own personal light. Yeah. You know. And that's pretty much all I have for that set. Okay. Why don't we re- go to where they return to the island? Okay. So uh, we're highlighting uh, Jack um, and his actions after they return to the island. So um, we're mostly talking about season five here. Um, to begin with, Jack awakes on the island and saves Hugo from drowning. He finds Kate and the three of them are then visited by Jin, who's wearing a Dharma jumpsuit. This is, of course, from 316. Uh, Jen brings Jack, Kate, and Hugo to meet with Sawyer, who is now known as Lafleur, uh, from Lafleur and Namaste. Sawyer brings Kate, Hugo, and Jack into the Dharma fold, posing them as new recruits just off the sub, where Jack meets Dr. Pierre Chang, also known as Marvin Candle and is assigned a janitor position. The, the group then witnesses Saeed being brought in as a hostile. That night, Jack discovers Juliet and Sawyer are living together, and he and Sawyer discuss Saeed, with Sawyer accusing Jack of being too reactionary and not thinking enough. Sawyer says he will handle things, and Jack concurs. This is also from Namaste. Jack then helps put out a fire uh, when young Ben sends a Dharma van into a building as a distraction to set Saeed freed in, in He's Are You. Jack refuses to operate on Ben when he's brought in by Jin after being shot by Saeed in Whatever Happened Happened. Then Jack covers Ben's father, Roger's, work for him when Ben goes missing and covers for Kate when Roger accuses her of possibly knowing something about it. He then goes and tells Sawyer about the encounter in Some Like It Hot. Jack is questioned by Daniel Faraday about how and why they came to be on the island. He informs Sawyer, who shows that he is holding Phil to keep knowledge of he and Kate's actions to take Ben to the others at bay. Jack attends a meeting by Sawyer and says they should help Faraday with his mission. He and Juliet convince Kate to come along as well, and the trio are then discovered by Radzinski. And uh, after a firefight, Kate, Daniel, and Jack escape to the perimeter. Jack listens to Daniel's plan on how to change everything that's happened since 815 crashed and follows Daniel to the other's camp, where Daniel is shot in the variable. Then Jack and Kate are captured and questioned by the others, where Jack convinces Eloise Hawking that Daniel's plan will save Daniel's life. 
The plan is to detonate a nuclear explosion at the electromagnetic activity of the swan. Hawking agrees and leads them. They are then reunited with Saeed, who's been on the run since shooting Ben. Kate disagrees with Jack's plan and leaves him and Saeed to carry it out while she goes for help to thwart him. Saeed and Jack accompany Richard and Eloise to the caves to get Jughead in the episode Follow the Leader. Jack and Saeed work to get the bomb ready and then are left by Richard and Eloise to detonate it. Jack fights Dharma through the barracks but is rescued by Hugo, Jen, and Miles. Uh, Jack treats Saeed, who's been shot, uh, while they're on their way to the Swan Station. They are forced to stop by Juliet and Sawyer and Kate, uh, who are standing in the path, blocking their... Um, their continued trip to the swan. Sawyer and Jack have a fight. Juliet stops the fight and Jack gets away. Uh, he convinces Kate that this is the right thing to do and then goes on to carry out his plan. He makes his way to the swan site and under heavy fire when Sawyer, Kate, Miles, and Juliet show up to help. He manages to drop the bomb, but it doesn't go off in the incident. So that is not actually the very last thing that happens in that season, but that's the last Jack-oriented uh, uh, um, action to take place. So, uh, Matt, why don't you uh, talk about it? Yeah, well, this whole season uh, is Jack's ascension of his, of his loop, you know, to me. And, and, and doing things like we talked about in the theory section, doing things differently this time around, which I think will make things work better. Um, he is going against the wishes of a lot of the folks, but ultimately he does talk to Kate. He does convince her that it's the right thing before he actually goes through with it. Um, and so once she says she's behind him, then I think, uh, you know, and in the same way with Sawyer, he, even though as he leaves, he says, I'll see you in LAX or whatever. And he's kind of a, a snide Sawyer does end up coming to help him, you know, uh, Sawyer, Juliet, Kate, come to his aid in order to get the uh, the bomb off, you know, against the other Dorma folks. And this is a, a, a choice that he makes that is for the good of everybody, at least as far as intent, as far as he's concerned. Like you said before, he, he says that this, nothing has felt so right in his whole life, you know. And, and here's a person that I'm not so sure acts completely on instinct rather than acts on action most of the time, you know? So the fact that he's listening to his gut, uh, rather than looking at statistics, uh, I think tells us something about the remarkable change of Jack at this point. And it'll be very interesting to see when we go into this next season, however we end up in this next season, uh, mm -hmm. uh, how, that will maybe reanimate Jack and make us look at him in a whole new light as we go through the next season. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. Well, um, I agree completely. I'm not, um, I, I, I've mostly said everything that I, that I think about Jack at this point and up to this point, but, um, you know, just to kind of finalize it and, 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 um, you know, clarify the edges of it maybe a little bit. You know, he really has gone through a huge transformation. Um, he has ceased to be such a reactionary. He is willing to 
wait to take action. He's willing to listen to uh, the people in the situation uh, going on around him. Also to um, have faith in the island, to begin to believe in destiny. Um, he's not the same, um, you know, logical, uh, only logical um, uh, thinker that he was before. He's become more of a um, an, an, an all-around thinker. And what I mean by that is, is he's he's will his mind is willing to accept theories um, that are a little bit. F- outlying that are outlying a little bit further you know beyond those lines of logic that he used to to be confined to in his thinking and um i'm really excited to see what he's gonna do in season six i think this is gonna be awesome Uh and with that let's move on to closing thoughts closing thoughts Okay, so in closing thoughts, have you amended your three words any, Leslie, after looking at all of this, or are you we know, still in the same spot? I don't know. I, I might have to, you know, I might have to add guilt. Yeah. You know. It's hard to get away from the, uh, from, it's hard to do in three words. It is. Uh, I think he deserves four, at least. The, the Jack is maybe a five-word guy, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and nonetheless, uh, I really enjoyed kind of looking at, at Jack's whole character arc and I'm amazed uh, with the writer's consistencies uh, regarding characters over, over five seasons. We've always kind of razzed the writers about possible continuity errors or, or the producers of the show about continuity errors. But this character is pretty solid straight from, from the beginning and, and the traits you can, we, we looked at through each of the seasons are, are very present in, in, in different instances. And there is a clear definition of metamorphosis of the character uh, as the character is changing and growing himself this time around on the loop uh, in season, you know, from the end of season four or basically from the time that they're off the island to the time that he gets back to the island and up to this whole uh, episode with the swan. I, you, you, there is a definitive change, and it's not—it's uh, not out of character. It's been well laid out, and I did really enjoy following Jack's character through all of these. Um, I have to admit, I didn't go back through and watch each episode. We got a lot of our information from Lostpedia, and then kind of uh, made synopsises of that. Uh, but uh, as I looked at each of these points. I could see it in in my mind, and and was it was very uh, clearly defined to me that this character has been a very uh, con- continuous, continuous mm-hmm. character, uh, yeah. and uh, and one that is exciting to see change. So I'm looking forward to season six, like you said. I'm looking forward to uh, the Jack we'll see in season six. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, he really has come a long way. There's been a, a huge amount of evolution for his character. Um, the writers, I think, I agree, have done a great job in, in just, you know, making, bringing it to to our to our minds and, and, and making it really make sense, you know, after seeing what we've been through and, and going through his, you know, his emotional past and his relationship with his father and his conflict with being a leader, you know, um, 
we've really, really gotten to know these characters and this character, you know, especially. And, um, you know, when, when the writers say that it's, you know, it's a show about the characters, you really can see the compassion and the love they've had for this character and develop, developing him over five seasons of, of episodes. And, um, and I, I think we're going to see them carry that all the way through to the end in season six. So we just have to wait a couple more months to see, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of evolution Jack will take or, or if there'll be any memory of any of this evolution for him or yeah, not. You know what? It, it, that's, a, that's another interesting point. If there is a reset, do we have the old Jack of 2004 back in our, in our midst again? I know. And how will they resolve that? It's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That would so. be a shame, I think, because he's been <laughs> on such a great journey. Yeah, yeah, he has. I don't think we're going to lose all of that. I hope love not. that investment in him. I think that would really be a waste. So I doubt that'll happen. All right. Any other thoughts? I think that's it. All right. Then we are going to call it quits for this podcast. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for joining me again today. Thanks, Matt. It was fun. In the meantime, stay, stay lost. lost. <laughs> the podcast until next time stay, stay lost. lost and i would also like to mention that uh <laughs> criminy criminy do you say criminy or criminy i said criminy the other day and alexa said criminy don't you mean criminy i think it's criminy but i say criminy do you <laughs> Okay, I cool. say uh, I say whatever the hell I want. Yeah. <laughs> and usually it's not things like crocodile or criminy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of four letter words running around. You ready? Yep. <laughs> Take thirty seven point two. So let's get back into the scene-by-scene scene breakdown. Where are you, Matt? You're in there somewhere. In there somewhere. <laughs> knock, knock. Just The real me is struggling to come out. <laughs> Fighting with my inner demons. All right. And scene breakdown. So, you or me first, Leslie? Uh, you hit it, Matt. All right, I will hit it. <laughs> and so... Keys to Lost is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all of your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at Lost Casts dot blogspot dot com <laughs>